Hello, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. This is finally, because I'm finally doing this. It's only been a year. Uh, <laughs> this is part one of my three-part series with the wonderful, the awesome, the very knowledgeable friend officially of mine, Jason Leeser, and he's currently working at the Inkwell uh, Tattoo Studio in PA. So I hope you all enjoy this. I know I did. We did, because actually Rico was with us this time. All right, listeners, enjoy. Action. Take one. Second now. Yeah. Italy, speak. Italy was Everybody great. Speak. Um, <laughs> London was fun. Uh, Take two. You gotta record. <laughs> Mic check. Like this, like that, like this, and uh. Okay, okay. For real now. Take three. With Yoshi, cause yo, she don't even know me, but yo, she's really fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, right, sounds better now. Yeah. This is getting ridiculous. Four. Oh, why are we? So blind to see that the ones we love are you and me. Are you and me. <laughs> Coolio. This is all coming. Rest in peace, Coolio. This is all happening. I know, right? All right, all right. For real now. Here we go. Thanks, listeners. R.I.P. Coolio. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Yes! This is too good, I can't, I'll, 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 I'll figure it out, man. So... Welcome, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. I'm here today with my good friend that I declared just today. It's only been a year. My good friend, Jason Lee, sir. Lee, sir. Lee, sir. Lee, sir. And, I, and I'm sorry. As soon as as soon as soon you told me it left, where, where are you working these days? Uh, so I'm currently working at the Inkwell Tattoo in Southampton, Pennsylvania. Perfect. Uh, it's just north of Philadelphia. I encourage everyone to stop by and say hi. Yeah, yeah. Jason is a remarkably kind person. Um, we met through Reinventing the Tattoo, um, I believe, and Tattoo Now, right? Yes, And uh, when are you regularly doing, I'm, I'm going to segue hard uh, instead of going right into my normal spiel of like how long you've been tattooing. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but I do want to lead up top because this is how we found each other. Uh, what regularly are you doing with them still? Uh, so I do. I host the 1 p.m. in the afternoon Skill Building Sundays uh, webinar, uh, podcast, whatever you want to call it. We're live on YouTube every Sunday at 1. Uh, we always encourage people to jump in, leave some comments. You know, we'll probably send you the Zoom link if you're on there enough to join us and draw with us. Uh, we're always trying to focus on something that we can always do to improve that's going to help uh, our abilities in both the fine art world as well as the world of tattooing. So specifically things that can cross over back and forth between the two. 
I like to focus a lot on line work and line weight, uh, composition, color theory, uh, light source, stuff like that. So You're also a, a very good hack of Procreate. I, I am. I do have the reputation for knowing the ins, outs, ups, downs, left, rights, backwards, and forwards of Procreate. Yeah. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to leave a comment on the YouTube and I'll be more than happy to answer it. Um, don't be surprised if I hook my iPad up real quick and I'm like, oh yeah, let me show you how to do that real quick. Yeah, I, I particularly like just for anybody who's looking forward to it. Um, I did it already on Photoshop and I kind of brought it over to Procreate, but it was so validating for me to see that you had made the similar hack of how you break down a sleeve and planning it out and mocking it out. It's much like if you're going to do a dress design and you're, you know, making a pattern and you spray you basically flay that part of the flesh and you lay it out flat and you think about it that way. It was really cool to see that. So you have that as a uh, course that you... I, I do offer that um, as part of the Reinventing the Tattoo curriculum. Um, I love working large scale, full sleeves, back pieces, leg mm -hmm. sleeves, you name it. Um, I just started a full frontal from collar to mid-thigh on my friend Sarah. Nice. That was one of the most challenging tattoos I've ever done, but I used the same base process. Wonderful. You know, you take a series of measurements, you, you lay it out two-dimensional, but you have to keep in mind those three-dimensional areas in order to get your design and your composition correct. Correct. So. Yep. Absolutely. And um, just to um, make sure I don't... Uh, forget this is a rare event at least of recent days because Rico is here with us say hi baby yep hello <laughs> Rico 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 suave and the reason why this is particularly cool just for our listeners uh, uh we are currently at uh, needle jigs first event the northeast meetup and in we're sitting in a hotel room and uh this was actually uh really cool because the last time I was hanging out with Jason, we were doing the same thing, but for the Paradise BYOB and playing cards against humanity and all of that stuff. So um, definitely if you are a tattoo artist that is hoping to learn, I can't stress enough to make events like this because as a lot of people found out today, we're not as scary as as people think we are from the outside or that even other tattoo artists might feel. Um, this community of tattoo artists is really great. And especially, I, I know with you, Jason, anything you have, you'll give. And Without question. I mean, last time you were here, you were like, I have all these paintbrushes. I have all this paint. Like, take it. I have, yeah. I have extra Come canvases. Come join me. Like, <laughs> I did the same thing again this year. And no one wanted to paint with me. It's cool, though. We had barely time to eat. I, I know. No, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. But, you know, I'm one of those people where it's like, I know I have more than what I need. And I'm more than happy to share with whoever. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, if you want to get together and do collaborative painting, I'm down. I have like six foot by three foot canvases we can paint on. Um, like, I, the canvases are bigger than I am. I'm not going to lie. They're absolutely huge. Um, by far the biggest paintings I've ever done are that big. Really cool. And they are enormous. But I'm always all about collaborating. Mm -hmm. The more you collaborate, the more you get together with other artists, and the more you work together with other artists, the more we all end up learning at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Because no one person has all the knowledge. That knowledge is spread out through many people all over the place. Yep. So it, 
well, and it's not until we get together and we start working together and we start sharing that information where we can turn around and learn things that we may have never known before. Yeah. So. Not only that, but, you know, as a person who is learning and things like that, I feel like it's really important to feel like you're included in the moment, like kind of, uh, you know, just feeling like you're participating in things like that, but you're only thinking about it short-sightedly. And now that I'm a bit older, I'm 41 to everybody. I don't mind admitting, but at this point in my life, I've realized that legacy is very important to me. And when you have a painting that like five artists have been a part of, it's like having an all-star card in, in a deck of collectibles that you have. If you know you have a painting that has, you know, all these people that now have become rock stars and you have that painting. It's so freaking cool. So don't negate what you can be a part of and give yourself the opportunity because you do not know what what tomorrow will be. And you might as well just take a leap and be out there. So Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I still have a couple of the collaborative things that were done last year uh, sitting at my house. Um, and it's amazing just to see how people how far people have come in one year. Mm-hmm. You know, in one year, just to see how people have grown, transformed, and just elevated themselves to a level that I don't even think they thought they would get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So. Well, and that's what being a part of reinventing. It's so cool and so validating because I could see that right away when I joined. I just joined a, a critique night with Guy, a draw night, and that's really how I met you guys and got it started like the bug of your names Ricardo you know everybody Um, these are dope artists so I hope to have all of you on here but I'm I've been a slacker so well you know it's it's kind (laughs) of hard because you know the the group that we formed through reinventing the tattoo we call ourselves the horsemen whatever why that's great yeah it's funny because we'll send each other like memes and emojis every now and then with like tiny little Shetland ponies and stuff like that. And it's like, Stampede! Oh, that's so you know? awesome. Um, but we're all based all over the country. Ricardo's in Illinois. Bruno's in Miami. Uh, Kier's up in Massachusetts. I'm in Philadelphia. So it's like, we don't live anywhere close to each other, but we form this tight-knit group of artists where we're all trying to share information and help each other out all yeah. the time. Yeah. We started a group chat and like everything like that. And I'm, don't get me wrong. I am down to share information with anyone. I don't care. Like text me, hit me up. It doesn't matter to me. You want to learn more. You want to advance. You want to be a part of it. And if you're a decent person, I will talk your ear off about everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, and that's what was great about this event was because it was a lot of, um, you know, it's different than a lot of the seminars because it was it was more seminar like Um, presenting talking but it was so interactive which was super cool so this was the first one but I can't recommend it highly enough because it was honestly the most that I've actually stepped outside of my normal circles of people that I know and really interacted and met a lot of people so it was a really great networking event Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and networking is something I pride myself on. No, you're I, great I at it. I love it. You're I am a social butterfly like you have never met. If if anyone out there is listening and you haven't met me, I dare you come to one of these events and try to walk away not knowing. Yep. You would literally have to hide in a corner the entire time and not speak to anyone. And even then I would probably find you and come up to you and be like, hey, why are you sitting in the corner? Yeah. Like, Let's go do some fun stuff. 
Or like, I got these prints right here. Yeah, like, like I just oh. Take one. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think we've met yet. Here, have something of mine that, you know, I would normally sell at a show, but I'm giving it to you for free because yeah. I can. So there. Well, and because we're artists and... You know, we all know how hard it is. Right. You know, it really is hard. And, you know, some people out there, they're not very outgoing. And that's cool. You don't have to be. Mm -hmm. I'm more than outgoing enough for like 30 people. I know that. And I'm not ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. I will more than happily go up to people. I will meet people. Oh, hey, you'd get along really well with this person. Come over here and let's meet them. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, you're really good at that. Cool. Come over here and let's work on the drawing with me, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Yeah. Come on. It'll be fun. You'll have a blast. I promise. There's free booze. Why not? Yeah. Like, like, like you need some lubrication, some some liquid lubrication. We got that, too. Oh, I, I always come prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Oh, I, yeah. I never show up to an event, convention, or anything like that without preparation. Yep. Uh, I mean, us too. I, I mean, yeah. Doing the coffee right now. We're, that's yeah. what we're. And that's this is delicious. Right? Man. Isn't it good? Like He's really you. Good. Were you a barista in a previous yeah. life or He's something? Just Italian. Because this is divine. <laughs> I didn't even have coffee this good in Italy. Like this is delicious. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I just like meeting people, you know, and you never know who's going to impact your life and you never know what kind of an impact any given person could have until you reach out and you start networking with them. So I, I always encourage people. It's like, listen, you're surrounded by people that do the exact same thing as you. Yeah. What do you have to be afraid of? Yeah. You know, Bob Tyrell tattoos. I tattoo. You tattoo. I do. You know, guy into some <laughs> tattoos. And I'm not afraid to walk up to anyone and shake their hand and say, hey, how's it going? My name's so-and-so. You know, I, I really admire your work. Um, you know, I, I'd love to sit down and talk with you for a minute, few minutes if you have some yeah. time. Well, and I'm happy we're leading with this, too, because um, typically the way the podcasts go, because I know we'll be talking for a while. Uh, we always do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> typically how they go is I segment them and we start with like, you know, your background and everything. But if we can lead with the fact that this is how you are, maybe it'll encourage people to reach out sooner or just like follow you sooner or whatever, just to kind of open that up to let people know that it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's I'm, okay. I am not reach ever out. mean to anyone. <laughs> Please hit me up with questions, nonsensical questions. Yeah. It doesn't matter. If you have any quest for knowledge, if you have any quest to learn more, be more, do more, and you're wondering how to go about that, uh, and I can help in some way, shape, or form, I will help. Yeah. If you want to become, you know, best color tattooer in the universe, uh, cool. I know enough people and have gained enough knowledge, like, it's going to not be easy it's going to take a lot of practice and you're going to have a lot of competition but you can do it yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. not hard yeah um you know it just takes a lot of repetition thinking outside the box but sometimes people don't even know where to start yeah and that's that's really i think uh you know with having connections and just having uh the right outlook with things you know you realize anything that can be possible with things i think the hardest part is like you said it's just the repetition commitment and um knowing where to start yeah yeah totally so on that note how long have you been tattooing <laughs> uh, i've been tattooing professionally for about 13 years now um got my start at a little studio outside of philadelphia nice. uh went and worked at another little studio out a uh, little bit further north than where i started um you know went through 
technically, I guess, two and a half apprenticeships. Um, first one didn't work out so well. Uh, found out that they were all just at, out for money. Um, it, it does, but I'm not saying I didn't learn a lot from that apprenticeship. I yeah. did. Learned a lot about what not to do. That's very valuable. You know, I, I was guided by one guy named Greg um, who really helped me get on my feet and really helped me get my foot in the door and really started to introduce me to a lot of people and a lot of things that I wouldn't otherwise know now. Oh, that's good. Um, he sparked my imagination with tattoo machines and how do they work and yeah. understanding the craft portion behind tattooing. Um, and that just made me dive way into the deep end of the rabbit hole. And um, so I went out. Followed up with a second apprenticeship, which was offered. I didn't have to pay anything for it. Um, it was offered to me more or less just because I kept coming around and hanging out. And they so then had to send me home several times. You... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much how you have to be, folks. I mean, just FYI, like persistency definitely works. I mean, it works in dating, too, just FYI. Well, it's investing time. You know? <laughs> It, it, it does work in it dating, does, it does. Uh, as long as you're not stalker. No, you can't be creepy. As long as you're not hiding in the bush. Yeah, yeah, no, that no, doesn't you can't, work. You can't well. be creepy, and I don't, I don't even know what that means, really. You do have to be uh, genuine and not creepy. Yeah, um. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a form of investment, right? Yes. That's the way I looked at it. Is and it was the best advice I was ever given about this industry. Mm-hmm. If you really want to know something, if you really want to do something or accomplish something. You have to invest. And I'm not talking financially in any way. I mean, yes, there is a substantial amount of financial investment, but that's a totally different topic. Uh, what I'm talking about is investing your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I tell that to everyone I meet and people, you know, that go knocking door to door that are like, I can't get an apprenticeship anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I ask them flat off. I'm like, okay, how much time did you spend there? They were like, well, I think I was there for like maybe, you know, 10 minutes. You know, I started talking to a guy and asked if they were hiring apprentices and they said no. So I left. I said, well, yeah, if it was the first time they've ever met you. Well, and and that's the other thing. Similar thing. I I say to people, too. I'm like, listen, you might go in there wanting something, but you're not in a position to demand. You're in a position to take what you get. So... Keep asking until you get something. And probably what you'll get is an assignment. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to kind of push for, is that assignment so that you can come back and you can show. And also, if you get an assignment, ask for when they want to see it. Because you can not only showcase that you can do an assignment, but that you can show up on time and meet a mark. And then brace for the hit because you're going to get that too. <laughs> and that that was a big thing yeah. too when I was going through, uh, especially my first apprenticeship. Um, and they flat out warned me. They were like, "Listen, every aspect of what you're gonna be doing is going to be judged. It's going to be graded. It is going to be criticized. It is going to be critiqued. Mm-hmm. Everything you, every breath you take." Up and even before the apprenticeship started, everything was evaluated. Yeah. Because if, and I understand where they're coming from in this day and age. Um, like now that I'm older and I've got some skills and some knowledge behind me, 
I can see where they were coming from because if they were willing to invest the time to teach me what they've painstakingly learned. Mm -hmm. And I was, when I went through my apprenticeship, there were five other artists there. Mm -hmm. They had a cumulative amount of knowledge of 125 years experience between all of them. Yeah. Yep. Well, not only that, but you started around the time when my second apprenticeship happened, which is kind of like the renaissance of tattooing where you had people who were branching out from these old school kind of traditions. They were fusing with art, art kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had engineers connecting, you had all of this like birthing of ideas. And so now the people who are coming out, you know, I, one of the things just if I can, you know, add this is that, yeah, you do a lot of online resources, which I plug all the time, but I tell people like, listen, don't think of us as gatekeepers because we're not. No. But we cannot give you certain information because we are not sitting there with you. Yeah. We we cannot see what you're going to do with this information and you literally can't learn some of this online. We ha- And we have to be responsible with that information. It's not something we can just give. And don't say that we're gatekeepers because every single video that you are watching right now came from one of my generation of tattoo artists because it was the renaissance of tattooing. It was all this birth of technology, fusion, of innovation, of art, of people letting down the boundaries and opening up to different ideas. So no, we are not inflexible with that. We just not, we need to know and we need to feel safe with that information and what we're going to give it to. That's it. And we're looking out for you. Yeah. We're looking out for you, your clients, your karma, your career, everything. It's not It's not that we're trying to be dicks. I know it might feel that way. I know I took it that way when it was applied to me, but it's not. It's, yeah. It's not. And I, I totally hear you on that. When I'm, I reflect now, now I know why. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, you know, hindsight being 2020, I understand, you know, what went on, but... You know, when they said originally that like everything, I, every breath I took and everything like that was being scrutinized, I didn't realize at the time that that meant showing up on time, mm-hmm. staying late on a regular basis to yeah. learn extra stuff. Yeah. They wanted to see how dedicated I was to it. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first assignment. Now, did you find that out through shining or through failing? <laughs> Both, depending okay. on the circumstance okay. and situation. I had my fair share of both. Yeah. Um, you know, my first assignment was a very mundane task. I had to show up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday and sweep and mop the floors. Okay. Um, cool. And that was like the test. Okay, right. if he's showing up and we're keeping him here till midnight the previous night on a Friday night, because this was back when studios were open till midnight. Yeah. Um, if we're keeping him here till midnight and he's still showing up here by 8 a.m. ready to work. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see what goes on. Yeah. And I did. And I showed up and I was like, cool, I'm here. What do you need me to do? Yeah. And these tests are not, I mean, that's a good kind of hazing to me. Yeah. Like, I know people would resent that uh, as a certain kind of like, oh, you're testing me. But that's a good kind of hazing. It is. Because that's very important because mm-hmm. that means you'll show up just period yeah you know for your and, client for everything you know and it's something that you know i've seen with different 
apprentices and different jobs at different studios I've been to and all that stuff. And, you know, it's like, okay, sometimes the apprentice isn't there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, why, why is the apprentice not here? Don't get me wrong. If they have a full-time job, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. They're at work. All right, cool. Whatever. Um, But it's like, you know, you're there to learn and to gain this knowledge. It's not just going to happen. We're not going to give you some kind of secret little black book, although I do have one of those now, Um, (laughs) filled with like tattoo knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I'm I'm very diligent with taking notes. So like I keep a journal of like all the new information I learn all the time. I've got a couple of them. Um, But like we're not... That stuff doesn't get handed down. There's no secret sauce and there's no like, you know, Konami code to be an awesome tattooer. You have to invest your time. Right. You know? Well, and the experiences are very nuanced too because, you know, you have to you have to learn it as you can learn it. I mm-hmm. mean, there's so much humility that comes at certain... I mean, there is for me anyway. I'm uh, like... There are people... Uh, I mean, I was just at a wedding where I... I uh, there was a, a guy there that I, I feel like I owe an apology to and at least offer him appreciation because invariably we're probably not going to be friends moving forward, but I do need him to know how incremental he was in my progress and I, how much of a shit I was. I'm almost tearing up like thinking about it because I was. And like it's not that he didn't do shit to me too. It was just that like... In reflection, now that we don't have to suffer each other anymore, um, there was a lot of gem stuff there. And I can't, I would be remiss if I said I don't miss it, you know, or I don't appreciate it because I do. It meant a lot. And it was a part of my story. So, um, and it's good that you take notes because I think at the end of everything, um, you know, legacy, it's huge. It's mm-hmm. huge. And, you know, Try to make as many marks as you can because invariably, if you do get into tattooing, if you're not doing art or paintings like you're talking about, your art will die yeah. <laughs> one day. And then you might die if you don't document, if you don't speak right. and you don't record. So I definitely recommend that. Um, so within your, uh, well, what, going back to the questions that I usually um, uh offer people what do you think was a characteristic that really um helped you get in here helped you get your foot in the door that you had already coming into tattooing like what do you think was definable about like why they said yes to you um one thing and i pride myself on this even to this day is my undeniable quest for knowledge yep i am a lifelong student of many different things and I'm, I also get a little obsessive. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it's kind of sad, really. <laughs> like, it, it, like okay, so it's really, really sad. Because uh, I would rather, and, and I did this when I was really starting to learn about tattoos and machines specifically, I would I would rather sit home and read a book on metallurgy to figure out the differences in the types of metal that were used to make tattoo machine frames and coil cores and spring steel and, like, I can remember vividly sacrificing Friday nights and Saturday nights going out with friends in my 20s, you know, prime time to go out with friends and network and have fun and do stupid stuff. I sat on my couch and read books about, you know, metallurgy so that I could know more about that so that I could be more proficient with my equipment. 
end with your questions. Yeah. Yeah, because that was something that I learned very early on um, because, you know, it's the day and age of search engines. Yeah. My boss was like, look, we have now entered the time, which I I come from the anage, which I agree with. Um, there is no such thing as a stupid question. But in the day and age of a search engine, it's not that, it, that your question's stupid. It's just that, like, you didn't you didn't show any effort. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, you're asking a question that I know that you could just pick up a device and find for yourself. So why are you asking me? So that was what he meant is like, Google it, asshole. Yeah. Like, like what is the Google? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you, would, you, know? you know, just say that. And uh, so that's great. I, I love that kind of dedication. It's something that I can say, honestly, I don't have, I admire people that have that kind of want i'm i'm endless i mean i'm on a fucking mac right now i am endlessly the person that wants the maserati i just want to drive i just want to i don't care how it's made i don't care what i just want to go fast and i want to get there as soon as possible and i want to show what i can do in a car like that's it like and it's not it's something I'm working on. I'm trying to like See, get but, more knowledge. So I was I was that way for when I first got started and I was like, I don't care, I just want a tattoo. Right? And so using the comparison to a car, that's great. Yeah. If I wanna go and I wanna go two hundred and fifty miles an hour in a car, I better know how to drive that car first. Yeah. You know, otherwise I'm never going to get it out of first gear if I don't know how well, to use a manual transmission. There's a difference though, right? There's a you know? difference between knowing how to drive a car and, and knowing understanding, how a car is yeah, made. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And metallurgy, for Christ's sake. So I was I was that person <laughs> that I was surrounded by people that didn't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they, was they, that your first apprenticeship even, or yeah. your second? Yeah. Okay. So they that was another know. thing that, that, that just... I had all these questions... And they, and they couldn't answer any of them because they didn't know the answers to the questions. And their response almost inevitably every single time was, well, don't worry about that. You don't need to know that. Buy this and you'll be okay. And I'll show you how to use this. Sorry, and it's like, everybody. but that's not, that's not telling me the whys. Mm-hmm. That's not explaining to me how, okay, so you press the foot, you plug this in like this. You press this foot switch and this moves, but why does this move? Yep. And what's the difference between this thing that moves here with this one and this thing that moves here with this one? Why are they different? Why, why do you use both of them? When do you use both of them? How are they different? Why are some good for some things and others good for other things? To give them the benefit of the doubt, do you think that they are like... because? Cause, cause I, like I just said, I'm the person who drives the car. I don't know how I do it. I just fucking do it. And then when somebody asks me a question, like you just asked, I have to sit there and be like, Oh shit, man. Like I know what I do, but I don't know if that's going to get this person where they need to go. And I don't even know if that's answering their question. Right. Right. And I'm not even sure if I fully understand it in a way to do that. So I, that was my experience teaching, honestly, was, you know, I'm such an intuitive learner. I just need to get my hands in it and get dirty Mm -hmm. that 
I kind of fucked up my apprentice a little bit because I was like, I don't know, man, like do it and you'll figure it out. And she was like, what? This mm-hmm. is permanent on people's skin. And I was like, they'll love you beyond that. You really can't fuck up that bad. And she's like, what? Like it just yeah. freaked her out. And I do think that she would have appreciated somebody like you who could have, you know, framed it better, isolated it mm-hmm. better. I mean, that's why you teach, honestly. Yeah. That's why you are doing what you do. But, like, th- that was something I found. Do you think that they just, they they did it, but they didn't know how to talk about it? Or do you think they just really didn't fucking know? Some from column A and some from column B. Okay. Um, I think the people that had the knowledge didn't really know how to frame it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how to explain it in a way that I would grasp it. Do you think that, because I think the other significant part of that is too, like whenever she would ask me for something, I would try to circle back mm-hmm. or I would try, at least post her, I have tried to figure out a way to articulate it and really tax that knowledge. I think it's a problem when they try to make you the problem because right. you're asking a question that they don't know the answer. Right. And that's, so that is something I've always been adamant about. It's like, yeah. no, come ask me all of the questions that you have yeah. that you might think are stupid, that you that other people have gotten angry at you about for asking. I'm, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to explain things to you. You really No matter are that how kind. basic that question is. Yeah, you really are that you know, kind. My only question to people is, and I ask this almost every time someone asks me a question, mm-hmm. I say, how much do you want to know about this? Yeah. No, that's good to preface. How far down the rabbit hole do you really want to go? <laughs> because I can go, I've been to the end of the rabbit hole and come back yes. multiple times. We can do this if you really want to know. Yes. But it's going to be a much longer process for you to understand all the different parts. Well, I mean, and they should probably bring a recorder so that they, yeah. you know, that, you know, that would hi- that would be highly skills. recommended. Okay, <laughs> because not only can I be very long winded, but there's a lot of stuff to discuss there. Yeah, with even the most basic of questions, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it's like, you know, someone might come to me and say, "Hey, I want to get a new tattoo machine. What do I buy?" Yeah. And it's like. All right, let's explore this decision, right? Sit down with this. Let's, what kind of styles do you do? How much time do you have in? What type of pins do you use in yeah. your needles? Are you running cartridges? What are what kind of power supply? Are you battery operated? Like, let's get All into this things. here. Let's yeah. get into this. Yeah. Because there is a lot more here yeah. to, to break down, digest, mm-hmm. understand, and then provide the answer to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I... It's already here. My next book. Okay, listeners, I've got something to share with you that I'm already in love with. I don't know about you, but I'm a total book nerd. I have so many books. A lot I haven't read, I admit. There's just something about having bookshelves full of possibilities that calms my soul. So when I attended the Bogota City Tattoo Fest this past August for the first time, I was delighted to run into my friend Ina Vigilato. We've actually had her on our show, so go check that out. Straight away, it was like God used Ina to guide me over to Black Dagger Books. There I met Travis Lawrence and Josh Rowan, the creators of this enterprise, and got hooked as soon as I saw their product. It's these beautiful little books just full of art, amazing art from amazing tattoo artists. From here, I'm just going to read what their site says. 
Black Dagger Books is an ongoing collection of artists defining modern tattooing, published monthly, one artist per book, one book per month. A subscription is $25 a month. You get inside of these beautiful books, these, these custom stickers. Each one is filled with the most gorgeous artwork, and it always concentrates on these awesome tattoo artists, and I try to follow each one as soon as I, as soon as I open the book. I'm just like, oh, my God. So it's really worth it. Uh, do yourself a favor, go over to blackdaggerbooks.com or if you're on IG, Black Dagger Books, it's all one word, and check out their product. Uh, like I said, the subscription is awesome and I'm really happy. Uh, this quells everything about, you know, the book nerd in you, the art collector. It also cures any guilt that you might have about having books just laying around because this gives back to the artist community. It's, it's a win-win. And just so everyone knows, I'm not being paid to shout these guys out. I just genuinely love their product. And also, I really love them. You know, the creators, Travis and Josh, were amazing. They were so kind to me. They gave me so much of their time at the Tattoo Festival. So if you ever have the chance to meet them, talk to them. They're great guys. I just can't say enough things. So do yourselves a really big favor. Go check it out. Thanks so much, listeners. Let's get back to our podcast. You know, honestly, I, I feel like um, a good apprentice would be, I mean, at least for you, would be the kind of person that would be like you, where it would be insatiable knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, where they yeah. would be just like, okay, this is great. I got this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I'm a huge nerd, too, not just with, like, machines and technical stuff, but, like, pigments. I can go on rants about pigments for days. I think you tried to do that to me the other day. I did. You I'm, did? I'm I was like, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. You were like, oh, I've got know. a thing. I've got to go. <laughs> I um, was like, when are, where's the where's the door to Yeah, yeah, no, the seriously. food. Um, <laughs> so I, but I try to be well-rounded with my knowledge base, you know? I want to know, I want to know about all of the things that are important to do my job correctly. You know, not just correctly, but safely, mm-hmm. right? To provide the best quality stuff for my clients. I want to know about the best machines. Uh, I need to know about skin trauma. I need to know about all of these other things. So I can provide the best quality for the people that I'm working with. Yeah. And that means knowing my knowledge about tattoo history. You know, knowing the knowledge about my quote unquote tattoo family and like my lineage there and like all this other stuff. And knowing how did these old timers do what they did right. what were they using because you can see their stuff now and it still looks good well not only that but it imbues a respect so right that when you approach them you're not like me a little cocksure fuck face <laughs> he's like hey so give me all the shit you got and they're like whoa who are you? <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm sorry. Do I know you? Like, uh... Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I think I, I think someone warned me about you before. Yeah. Allie brought that up, and I was like, I think. I mean, she mentioned that it was on a spectrum, but linkers and um, what was she was like linker linkers. What was the philosophy? It was linkers and um, rankers, rankers and linkers. Uh, rankers are like ranking who the fuck do you think you are and how can mm-hmm. you serve me and linkers are people who are just they want to come together and they want to do things together and they mm-hmm. want to grow together and we are on a spectrum but you know that's when you'll get the fucking ranker out of anyone and that's something for people who are 
um, approaching apprenticeships to know too is yeah. that like you are definitively more a linker. Like you are yeah. way on that spectrum. Like I'm, I admit it. I'm a kind of person that once, cause I, I just, I, I, it's how you approach me, honestly. Right. Cause I really, I'm not nice to assholes. Like I'm like, no man, if you're an asshole, I would yeah. treat you like an asshole. No. And you shouldn't be nice yeah. to assholes. Like I'm, no. I'm one of those people, like everyone has my respect. Yeah. But not everyone gets my kindness. Not everybody has my respect. People will get... Because I, I won't even give respect to everyone. Or you do have to you do have to give respect to get respect. And it has to feel reciprocated. Especially if you're asking. Like, it is how you ask. Right. Um, I'm going to give you... A, at the very least, I'm going to give you a hard time if I feel like you haven't asked something well. Really well, uh, well, and you, know. you can, you can. Yeah. I always do the the thing of like I, I I answer a question with a question which people really hate, but I'm like, well, like let's break this out because I I want I'm gonna make you work for it, man. Like that's how that's gonna be. That's like not being a dick. That's honestly just teaching you how to ask better questions. But well, and um, that that was gonna be something I would bring up. Sometimes yeah. people don't know how to ask the correct question or yeah. frame it in the correct way in order to understand the topic. Yeah. What I will give people is a full, and this is rare, for, I will give people full trust, which is not something that I recommend because you can get, you often do get fucked over a lot, but the way that I see it is, is that I let you take away at the trust. What you do with the trust I give you is very, very important. So understand, it's not respect, it's more of like, I'm going to be this vulnerable and this open towards you, what are you going to do with that? And then you're going to earn what place you get in my life from there. So that's kind of where I operate. And I, maybe that's respect, I don't know, but like for me that's just, that's just a mode of conduct just so that I learn as much as possible about a person. Right. And I give them the most opportunity to be awesome. And if you, I don't know, squash that opportunity right off the bat, then that's, that's more on you than it is on me, man. So, um, that's how I kind of operate it. But you know, I respect is something I definitely am like, no, I, you know, we got to work up onto respect for me. Now I can, and that's the thing. I can respect the hell out of you, but not like you. <laughs> right. right. Well, and that's yeah. why I was, that was kind of the parallel yeah, I was yeah, trying yeah. to draw. Yeah. I'll respect people. And yeah. it's like, cool, I'm, I'm not going to be malicious to you in any way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm definitely not going to be nice to you. I mean, like, I'm not going to be as kind nice to you as I am to word. someone else. I don't really like nice. Like, I am a kind human being, and I pride myself I like on kind. that. Yeah. But, like, if you're a dick... I'm going to treat you like a dick and yeah. I'm not going to be kind to you. I'm sorry, me, that's but that's like, what you get. I think the best word that I like is appropriate. I try uh, to be me, me and that word have a very checkered past. Do you? Uh, not really. This I'm, is a show I'm about over, checkered past. I'm overly appropriate. <laughs> I, I'm paranoid about that. I am yeah. absolutely 100% completely and totally paranoid about being 100% appropriate all the time. Like no, it's, I mean, it, that's... That puts it in a, like a, a perfectionist kind of way. For me, it's just more so I don't like the word nice because it implies that I am a pushover. Mm. I like to see kindness, but a kindness to me is 
somebody looking at you and giving you information they know you need, not what you want. Mm, I think okay. a nice person gives you what you want without question. And for me, that's enabling. And I find it very dirty. And I don't know. I don't like when people say, oh, you're nice. I'm like, Ugh. like, like, like I kind of get squeamish. I'm like, I don't want to be nice. You do realize I'm going to call you nice. From now on, right? That's fine. You're done. You're you done. Can, you can. I earned it. Right here You're now, so everybody. nice. <laughs> You're such a nice like person. <laughs> Everybody's going to do it now. It's yeah, fine. yeah. No, that, that should be the uh, thing. We should all send oh, Amy nice. a message telling her me how nice she is. Double middle finger. <laughs> it's okay. You're never going to live this down, it's by gonna the way. It's going to be great. I, I, I just, I just want to be here. Like, I'm going to announce it to everyone I meet. Everybody who knows me, I can, I can get pushed around quite a bit. Well, um, as we all have, that's like the it. problem with being kind, <laughs> right? Is that we do put ourselves out there and we do volunteer and we help people all the time. And There's we don't masochism. ask for things in return. Yeah. You know, that's part of being completely altruistic, right? We put ourselves out there and we do all of these things for people. And most of the time, and I don't know about you, but I know I don't ask for anything in return. No. I don't ask for credits on anything. I don't no. ask for... Oh, yeah, you know, just if you ever get interviewed years down the road, just remember that I gave you this piece of advice and, you know, name drop me on. No, I don't ask for any of that. In a religious context, I consider it my 10%. Mm. Um, you know, like they Fair say, enough. you should give 10% yeah. to the, the collection plate every Sunday. That's kind of how I see it. It's just that, like, well, and it's also about not burning bridges and trying right. to do that. Because you never know when you're going to be down. Right. And who's going to be there. And I feel like it's very important to just honor those connections and those relationships as best you can. I haven't been as good about it. And so that's why I'm giving this advice. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so I try. I do. I will say I always do try. I just might not try in the right ways. Okay. And okay. I think it rubs people the wrong way. I don't mean to. It's never intentional. But I am trying to be better. Um. This isn't about me, though. Rico, yeah. you have great questions. Do you have any questions for... Not yet. I'm still listening. You're still listening? <laughs> you smart man, have, smart you always, man. You always have a classic question that you always ask. Do you remember what your classic... It's been so long since you've been on the podcast, but you're usually very interested. Not yet. I'm still listening. Okay. I need some well, I remember what his classic question is. Okay. What, what machines do you usually... Oh, yes. I <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, that, was, that was the classic question. I think the better question is, which machines haven't I used? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I... What there did you go. start on? Oh, God. I've taken a shit on you. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Countless. <laughs> um, in fact, I have a box of them. Yeah. Um, I started out on coils, um, and I started out with an old... It was a National Bulldog-style machine... Um, no, correction. It wasn't national. It was from, um, what was the name of that place? Um, Superior? You might be right. Yeah, I think that was like a tattoo supply company back in the day. Um, and they used to have like, uh, it it was all budget equipment, right? I mean, I guess you could compare it to the... um, Amazon. Yeah, the Amazon (laughs) stuff of today. Yeah. But they had a uh, an old bulldog machine, uh, bulldog style machine that I started with. That was rebuilt by one of the guys that worked at the studio where I had my first apprenticeship. Right on. Um, it was that, and they had another one called the Diamondback, and he set that one up for me for a shader, and um, 
I mean, we're, we're talking complete teardowns and rebuilds on yeah. these things. Nice. And they ran like a dream when this guy got done with them. Oh, I'm sure. They were beautiful. Had those for a few years. Got a couple of other ones. Built a few myself. Nice. Like from solid hunks of metal. That's, un- that's oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah like awesome. I know the geometry. I know the measurements. You name it. I can make them out of brass, steel, bronze, iron. Uh, pick a material. This is really where Rico does get really intrigued because he loves the idea of metalworking. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously certain materials I would recommend for machines, but um, I started out working with brass and uh, 1018 coal rolled steel. Um, Heavy as fuck. Yeah. And when you're buying a one inch thick by four inch by four inch slab of it oh and it shows up in the mail... And you go to take the envelope out of the mailbox, and you're like, Jesus, what did I buy? Right? And then... That's my, my cube of metal. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Just a block. And all it is is just a, a literal hunk of steel oh, that someone awesome. chopped off the end of a block, and now you have to turn it into a machine. And you think that's heavy. And then you're like... I know what I'll do. I'll make one out of naval brass. Oh yeah, that would be a great idea. Ah. You know, $40 on one hunk of brass later. Yep. And you're sitting back and you're like, why did I do this to myself? Why did I do this to myself? No good can come of this. Why did I do this to myself? How do you carve it out? Um, which part? So I used to make prefabs and single single piece machines, like single piece frames. Yeah. The prefabs were very, very easy. And I found out later on that I didn't have to buy single blocks. I could very easily go through and buy a three inch by three inch side plate. And I measured out uh, base plates and I had all of the measurements for that. I have a whole book that I was writing, like all of my notes and all of my measurements, all of the experiments I was doing. How big was this hole compared to that hole? What was the distance between this and that? How did I want to do my front tube vise? Did I want to do a pinch vise, a guillotine vise? Like they all, all of these things, right? Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> so like, so like, I found that out, and I, after doing the first couple of frames and turning an old, old, old Delta drill press that my dad bought back in like the 60s or 70s, completely reconditioned, spray painted them, the whole nine. I mean, this thing still had the original quarter horsepower electric motor on the back uh, with all of the gears. Oh, dude, this thing is vintage to them. They do not make this anymore. Have they had a forged and fire with tattoo machine? Probably not. Oh my God, well, they I got to write the company. But this is, so this drill press was designed to use on wood. Wow. Do not use a wood drill press to try to turn that into a milling machine to mill steel. It will not work. You will break something. I guarantee it. (laughs) I know I've done it more than once. Um, Yeah, that drill press does not drill straight anymore. Uh, Yeah, I messed the chuck up real bad. Popped the whole head off of it and everything. And that had like a 10-ton press-fit drill chuck on the end of it that is completely shot. As you were trying to design a machine that could do exactly Mm. what you want, you used a machine that was not designed that way. Yeah. Well, I didn't have access to a machine shop, so I had to make a machine shop. Yeah. So I used an angle grinder, a quarter-inch angle grinder, um, 
that was like my pride and joy, and I still have it, and we're, it still oh, runs great. Awesome. It was an old Dewalt 10 amp, DeWalt's so like great. you could that thing would not stop. Yep, would never quit. You could you could put your whole body weight on that thing, and hunkering down. There were so funny story about that. <laughs> funny story about that, right? My friend and I got the idea. You're we were making. <laughs> If you could see me right now, you would understand why that's hysterical, right? I, no, it's funny uh, if you picture anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was my pride and joy, though, right? My friend Greg, the guy that really helped me get my foot in the door, came over one day, and he's like, I know you know a lot about machines. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. I better be on my A game now. He's like, I, I bought this hunk of meteorite off of Amazon. I want to make shit. a meteorite machine with you. And I'm like, what? And he's what? like, it's Space Pebble. Yeah, what Came you're from like, the heard, sky. I heard that part. I'm right, like, Ross, I'm still shocked. Good. And I'm like, I, um, I, I don't know if yes. I'm equipped for this. <laughs> I want to say yes, right? but I'm not. <laughs> well, because I knew a lot about yeah. the metallurgy behind it. And I knew that, I don't know if anyone out there knows about meteorites or not. There's a lot of nickel yeah. in meteorite. Nickel is way tougher than steel. Mm -hmm. Okay, not very easy to drill through. And I would imagine if you have pockets of it, it's yeah. kind of like cutting through wood that has knots. You have to be very careful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so slow we took, steady. yeah, we turned the drill press on as slow as it could go. Mm -hmm. We broke out all the cutting fluid, keeping everything nice and cool so that that way it wouldn't fracture. Um, but we were cutting and trying to trim off part of the side of this meteorite plate. Mm. And we were outside and I had everything set up with my bench vices on my little portable like work table and my bro broke out my ankle grinder, right? My friend Greg's sitting there and he's holding it in one way and he kicks it on and he hunkers down and he doesn't realize it that the wheel is spinning so that the cutting side and all of the debris and all of the sparks that are caused from that machine are blowing back on him. Oh, God. Oh, man. He ended up catching his shirt on fire. Nice. Yeah, no, like, legit. That's had better than I thought holes, you were going to say. Had to, like, grab the fire extinguisher and hose him down and everything. It was crazy. Aww. Like, that thing was my baby. Well, no, I mean... That was better than I thought you were going to say because I was picturing him breaking his wrist or something because oh, no, catching no, 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 no. him and like him because we were just talking about you spinning around and the oh no he he might have <laughs> he very well could have he had a he had a was... sliver of the meteorite that cut him right across the oh, top of his shit. eye Jeez. oh yeah wear your glasses kid yeah no seriously if you <laughs> want to keep your eyes yeah wear yeah always wear safety glasses yes. um but yeah we used to we used to make machines. I had a coil winder and everything. And I, you made it? I would hand tap everything. Like, yeah. He took it. He didn't want a prefab style, so he didn't want to have to drill holes in it. Right. To, like, screw it on to the base plate. Right. He took it to a friend of his that does welding. His friend welded it and then smoothed off all the slag. Um, turns out that's the wrong way to mount meteorite to a steel plate, by the way. Do oh, not do that. Because you will mess up the face of the meteorite. Oh. Um, yeah. What he should have done is used a brass, uh, uh, basically like a brass brazing rod mm -hmm. with a little bit of stay silk to create a solder 
um, like, like a brass glass. solder joint. Like stained glass. Yeah, almost. exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that's the way you would want to do it. If anyone out there has desires of making a machine out of meteorite, do not weld it. Not with a yeah. TIG, not with a MIG, not with an ARC. It's way too hot. Got you. Braise it and you will thank me later. Yeah, no, totally. And and do good solder jobs too because yeah. there's a lot of way to make that look awful. Uh, yeah, they can look real ugly sometimes. Real awful. But um, but yeah, so we I started out making prefabs and made a couple of single piece frames. But yeah, they were they were all learning experiences. Um, I found out I hate working with aluminum. Um, Makes sense. I think it is the most tricky metal out there to work with, personally. Mm-hmm. Great machinability. Yes. You can cut that stuff with a wood bandsaw. Yes. I found that out. Okay. Works real well. That's good. Um, yeah, and you don't even have to have, like, a fine blade or anything. Like, you can take any blade and nice. a bandsaw, and you can cut aluminum. Very easy. Um, you can also cut naval brass, too. Be careful, though, because naval brass is very soft, especially when it's annealed. Um, it's as soft as a hard wood. Oh, okay. So you can work with it in the same kind of way. Huh. Right? This is all stuff that I like. No, to, Yeah, keep, this is... Keep going. This is This awesome. is the kind of stuff that I spent my Friday and Saturday nights when I should have been out, you know, partying, having a good time uh, with friends. <laughs> and I spent my time thinking about spring theory and, like, metallurgy and how can I recess a yoke to have an iron bridge underneath the coil cores to create the magnetic arc. But I wanna I wanna see if there's some way I can like fuse that into the base plate. So I can still have a base plate, but I don't have to have a raised kind of yoke underneath my coils because you have to have iron or some type of yeah. ferrous metal underneath that's magnetic. Yes. Otherwise your machine's gonna heat up, you're gonna burn the hell out of your, your hand. hand. Uh you know, this is all part of the learning experience. If but not I came entirely. Yeah, I, I came up with like all of these great ideas, and like I don't even use coil machines anymore. It doesn't so. matter because we were able to ask really good questions of yeah. the uh, tac, uh, TACCOM. Yeah, the people. TACCOM guy. Yeah. Um, those guys were like, I thought I knew a lot of stuff. Shout out TACCOM. Yeah, these guys are geniuses. Mm-hmm. Like certifiable. I'm pretty sure they're members of Mensa. I took um, pictures of their presentation just to show my brother how hmm. much uh, he could be serving me. <laughs> good call. Good call. No, but he's, um, I, just to clarify, my brother is working on really good stuff. He's working on blockchain technology security, so equally brilliant. I don't even know what that means. But, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> that. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Um. Just so... I mean, as a nerd, you might appreciate this, our listeners, because um, I do think this is something that people should know. But blockchain technology is about um, basically digital identifying. So basically you have um, online or something, you have your identity that cannot be fudged, cannot be stolen, not be anything. And basically what it is, is it'll allow for, as far as like banking, very transparent and very clear banking accountability and um, something basically where people can, it kind of defuncts the whole centralized banking kind of thing. And it will, it'll allow people to um, really be able to uh, track sales, um, have like, say, if we're artists. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop you right there. You keep saying blockchain 
all I keep thinking about is like, you know, the blocks that we would play with when we were kids that have all the letters on it. Mm-hmm. Imagine if like you had those stacked up, right? And you made nunchucks out of them with a chain in between the two. It's a good Like visual. a block no, chain. that's a good visual right? because... Because like I, that's something I would do. I would make nunchucks out of them. No, it's like a great visual probably because... probably hit my brother over the head. It actually, <laughs> when they're explaining it, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like when you have um, a tree that like fractures off in these different change that links your basically, you know, online transactions. Say if you're an artist and you sell uh, something and you expect to get royalties from it. I'm failing to see how this has anything to do with nunchucks. No, it like it the visual like if you were to draw Connected, nunchucks chain connecting the two. Right, the two blocks like it So it's I can whack my that, brother in the head with it? I mean you can show him your blockchain like awesomeness online but and what be like, it look at mine and look at yours. No, <laughs> no. no I mean, as far as like a visual, like yeah. that is that is essentially it. It's not you're thinking about it on a tangible, like I can hold it. Level yeah, no, but, I'm no, but so that's, I am a little bit familiar with blockchain, NFTs, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really like the idea of NFTs, to be honest. So here's my question. Here's well, not a question, but. My my understanding behind it, I understand why we need to have that in this day and age. We have to. It's not a question of um, like whether or not it's a good idea. It's a we need this. Yeah. Think about this, right? We are digital artists. We work with digital media, right? Creating things on iPads and Wacom tablets and um, whatever Windows devices are out now that you can draw on. I forget what they're called because I'm not a Windows guy. Um, But we're creating digital art now. And there is no physical product. You got exactly to why I don't like NFTs. Um, Because uh, I don't don't like the precariousness of... Because essentially i'm going to go on a tangent but it's worth everybody checking it out so um joe rogan actually interviewed a guy named robert shock and he is an egyptologist and geologist and he actually kind of uh debunked a lot of what has been said about uh the sphinx and things like that he's like as a geologist i know it's older than what has been recorded there are so much that we don't know about that that group of humans they hack technologies that even today we have no freaking clue how they did it with all of our technology which assumes that well what we assert or what we assume is that we're the most advanced that has ever been and he's like what i know as a geologist is that all you need and he's like we're actually i mean it's a it's a ridiculous timeline but we're within the timeline of where a next solar flare could happen no the sphinx um, no, I made that last week. You made that last week? Yeah, no, that, that was all that me. Was all I built you. it. That was I built Jason. it. Last Just so week. everybody knows. He does meteorite uh, machines and... He yeah, I, I, I built the pyramids. You just asked him. I did. And <laughs> I did. It took me a night, but I was there. I did it. It was all me. Well, we're... we're so every 600,000 to 800,000 years, which 200,000 years exists within that. So we're in range of the next solar flare, which basically every time there's a solar flare, it has leveled, which doesn't mean it has leveled human beings. We're like, we're about as ratty as like 
fucking cockroaches, man. Like our existence persists. There's always going to be people that may be underground at a certain point where they get to survive, but then all of technology is gone. And if you don't have somebody remaining that can break down that kind of technology and you don't think about all the different moving parts like you you need the metals to make the microchip you need you need to know how you need all these moving parts you need all these people that we have now amassed as a society to create this kind of thing it would set us all the way back and if you don't have i mean you have the product you don't have the person who made it and you don't know what tools they use so they don't leave their tools behind. So you really have to like reverse engineer it. And, and that's what I don't, as an artist, as a person who, I, I think we learn so much from history and we have so much, I mean, it's kind of like what we started with. Like we want to share, we want to open up knowledge. If you're not willing to look back to be able to mm-hmm. look forward, you're so limited. And that's mm-hmm. what this guy, Robert Schock was talking about. He's like, Nobody wants to look into this because what it would mean is rewriting history books, rewriting things, like admitting that we don't know so much. Billions of dollars of rewrites. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of government-sponsored money to reinvest in this kind of knowledge, and they just don't want to do it. They just want to look forward. They just want to keep... and, And it's sad because... You could skip the jump so much if you just invested and you could learn. So it's kind of like, I want an apprenticeship. And you're like, well, how much time did you spend asking for that? And you're like, well, fuck, dude, you didn't take any time to get your fucking apprenticeship. Yeah, what do you expect? Yeah, like you're not going to get anywhere. And that's that's why. And with NFTs too, um, I just just also feel like, um, I don't know, man. Like... I think we all have qualities that we could share. I don't I don't necessarily want somebody to have like I don't know, a center around me. I mean I think I'm a pretty cool person, but I don't I don't wanna like have an NFT that you buy so that you can be in like the Amy Club. Like, no, if we just if we do this, like we have a dialogue and I meet you and I give to give you a hug, you're in the Amy Club. Like right I want I want that to be a physical experience. I don't want that to be a digital currency so, or something like so that. So here's where I'm coming from with my understanding and my defense of why I think it is needed in this day and age. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you got to have a knowledge and yeah. My understanding of it is knowing what a non-fungible tag is. Yes. Which is an NFT. That's what it means. That's what it stands for. Non-fungible token tag. Yeah. So circling back to being digital artists, Mm -hmm. we are not actually producing anything physical when we create art. Painters, illustrators, even photographers Mm -hmm. used to create a physical product as a work of art. A painting, a physical painting hanging up in the Louvre was created by an artist by hand. They created a physical thing. Half the time they created the fucking pigments that they used too. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Stretch the canvas. Exactly. Everything. So they created something physical. Mm Mm-hmm. As a work of art. Yes. Even modern photographers will create a modern printed photograph as a work of art. And everything about it is a work of art, right? The paper that it's printed on, how did they develop it, what type of pigments were used when they printed the image, you know, like everything is considered the frame, the mat, the whole nine. Um, 
being digital artists, we are not creating anything physical. Right. We are creating something digital, yeah. which means there is no physical representation of that in this world. Unless we print it. Unless we print it. Right. And we sign it and we say, this is the original. And we care enough like you do with, because um, Jason does have a business, about I, the paper. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge nerd when it comes down to art stuff. So I, well, I do a very small quantity, very high quality, like a printing company for local artists. Um, I've got the knowledge on how to do it and I'm very good at what I do. So I'm like, yeah, come on over. I'll run some off for you. Come on. I got you. Yeah. Um, but I try to keep my clientele small and personal. I, I like to know every single person I'm doing prints for. Yeah. If yeah, I don't. That's important. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because if I'm spending a lot of time and I don't really make prints for profit. Yeah. Um, I do it a lot of times at cost or just slightly over because I'm doing it as a favor to other artists that I know. Um, they might not have the knowledge of how to make prints. I do. So it's me helping out people that I know. I'll never know if it's for cost or not, so do it slightly over for me. I'm just going to say right now. Everyone's been saying that, but because I just... Because you should make money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we'll get into that later. We'll no. talk We'll talk later. I mean, uh, you don't have to make a lot, but here's, make a little. Like, so here's sake. why I think NFTs, circling back to the same concept and the same, the same topic, if for some reason someone were to get a hold of that digital file, Mm-hmm. that we created as an original work of art, right. even if we had the original printout, right. right? If they got a hold of that original digital file, they could print out as many as they wanted right. without any way to claim, this is mine, I created this on this date. At this That's time. what blockchain technology is, though. Because what it would do is that it sources the original place. Right. Yes, and that's why that's needed, and that's why... My brother's very passionate yeah. about it because he wants to, he is looking out for us. Right. He is looking out for our ability to claim rights mm-hmm. without having to pay a lot of money to defend it and, and us being like, no, look, see, I can show you where it was right. originated. Um, and on the digital, it's really great for marketing. Like, y- you use it for what you need it for. Right. You know, like, in the beginning, you shouldn't use it as a crutch to, like, shortchange any amount of art ability that you yeah. have. Um, because that's where that's where you have mastery and that's where you can justify to yourself that you're worthy to use shortcuts. You're going to feel guilty. You will if you know you're shortcutting something. I know because I'm the one who fucking does it all the time. I'm the Maserati kid that's just like, wait a minute, what's under the hood? Um, <laughs> I've been driving this shit for forever. Wait a minute. I Now I feel really yeah. dumb. Um, but you will. You'll feel some some guilt about what you're doing if you don't. If you don't look under the hood and at least mm-hmm. have some kind of base knowledge about what you're doing and utilizing those tools where you need to, because there's going to come a day that your Maserati will break. And you, if you don't know how to like, at least communicate to a mechanic, like, Hey, you know, this happened. Like what, if you don't know what the I parts I do not are, know. I push yeah, button. It no start. You're going to get fucked in the ass like because the mechanic's like, Oh man, I can tell them anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can make up anything about this. They have uh, no oh, it's on. it's no problem. Your uh, your your headlight washer fluid is running like, low. Fine, cool, do that. Yeah, do 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 the things with the that. That'll be a thousand dollars, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? So don't 
don't be like me, kids. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I agree with you. I, it is very necessary, and that is what my brother is doing. But I still want to make him feel guilty about what he's doing. <laughs> How could, he could be engineering in, in the world of tattooing and how what what an empire we could be creating together. But he mm. is he's he's looking out for the world. He's looking out yeah. for all of us on many different levels because it's on a financial level, it's on, you know, just patents on everything. If you like you said, like if you can source where that exact digital file originated from, then you know the author, then you know who should be getting credit mm -hmm. and it, it, it'll it keep a lot of this what they call disinformation or misinformation from happening because then you'll know yeah you'll know uh it is sad that is. we need that but you know it's the benefit in a lot of ways because hopefully it'll elevate us as humans and make us far more accountable well we honest. hope i we hope, hope it'll make us honest um but he's really working on the security of those things, like mm -hmm. making sure it can't be hacked, can't be manipulated, and you know, all that cool stuff. So, All right, diary listeners, that's the end of part one with Jason Leeser. Join us back next week for part two as we continue. This is going to be a three-parter, so you're going to have us for a couple weeks. Jason's got a lot of knowledge. And in the background, I'm here to wish, and so is Rico, everyone a wonderful holiday uh, and also snuggle your loved ones, your, your family, your pets. We had a scare this past week with our one kitty, Ickes, and we had to take a week off. And we know, we know it was kind of a bummer, but, uh, we're so grateful. All the people that were praying for him, we just want to thank everybody. It worked. We have some time with our boy. So thank you, everyone. It's been magical, and uh, whatever happens from here, just know that we're going to take extra time for the things that matter. We're going to love everyone harder, and we pretty much recommend you do that, too. Pardon the run-on sentence, but uh, it was necessary. Love you all. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diary. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We, we look, look forward, forward to hearing from, from our, our listeners. listeners.